0: God is good. Amen. Excellent. I thought Taffy was the only one that believed God was good for a moment. And uh, let let me encourage you You know so often we're praying and uh, we're believing for things and uh, but we also want to give God thanks for when he does something incredible and uh, maybe this morning you were thinking does God still heal cancer? Does he still do that? And maybe um, your heart has been broken by so many different situations and 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 I hope deferred makes the heart sick, as the Bible says. Uh, But we were just talking this morning uh, about a guy some of you will know uh, from our Waterside congregation. And in January uh, 2000, and let me get this right, two two years ago, January. So January 2022, um, as elders, we were away um, just praying and just seeking God for that year of 2022. And uh, some of you will know Pastor Paul. Um, who pastors our waterside congregation and he received a phone call um, as we were praying and he came back in and the initial shock i believe of just you know just hearing heavy news and so he said you know what they've given uh dave some of you know dave prince um literally two weeks to live and so we said you know what you have a choice in these moments you can accept it or you can stand on the word of god and so as elders we prayed and uh, we just declared god's word over it and we went back to what we were doing um just released what god had done we didn't mean that we prayed for next 10 hours we just said god your word says and we came into agreement that sunday night the the church waterside congregation gathered together uh, to pray and they have they had dave up on the uh, screen he was actually in his hospital bed and uh, loads of his unsaved friends came and said, if your God heals you, then we'll come to church. And it was that kind of prayer meeting where you had some really believing, some crossing their fingers, some, and God works and all of that. And uh, if you go to Waterside Congregation this morning, you will find Dave and Stacy Prince there, because God miraculously healed him cured him completely of cancer no shred of cancer um all the damage that they said that would be done to his lungs because of the stuff that he was going through as well there's not a scar there's nothing complete and total miracle and uh, yeah give god praise for that and it, and so this morning he's there and um you know, the doctor said something along the lines of, "Wow, well, we don't know what it is, but something obviously has happened. But obviously didn't give any credit to God. And so 99% of our friends who said, if God heals you, I'll be in your church, um, are still yet to come to church. <laughs> um, but hey, let's believe that just as God healed a broken body, he's going to heal people uh, from where they're at and see them coming to the house of God. But I just felt to share that because sometimes when we're believing and praying, um, testimonies are so important. If you've got a testimony of what God has done, make sure you are sharing it with the people around your life because it builds faith. And it's a biblical thing that builds faith in our lives. Okay, let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. This morning we are uh, concluding and wrapping up our series on the armor of God. And uh, throughout this series, as we've been saying, um, the question hasn't been do you know what the armor of God is? Can you label it? Can you name all the different things in alphabetical order? All that kind of stuff. That's not where we're going with this series. This series is all about the question not do you know what the armor of God is, but do you actually know how to use it effectively so that you live the life that God has called you to live and do the things that He has called you to do? And so we've been in uh, this series over the last few weeks. And uh, this is important. I believe that this series has been and continues to be relevant to every single person in this room. No matter what age you are, no matter how much of a Bible you feel you do or you don't know, uh, no matter how long you've been a Christian, because the Bible says that God has given us through his spirit everything that we need to live a life of victory. That's the reality. And yet some of you, you say, I'm a Christian, I come to church week in, week out, but I don't feel very victorious right now, I feel defeated. Some of you, you hear about us talking about an an overcoming life. You say, I don't feel like I'm living a life of an overcomer. I actually feel overwhelmed in my life right now. For others of you, you don't feel necessarily defeated or overwhelmed. But where you're at is you just know that there's more. You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, but you know there's more. You know that you you look around, you hear stories of people. You know that there's more that you could be experiencing in your walk with God and in your relationship with God. God and so for every single one of us this series is so important and so so far in this series and this is all available online or via our family church app as was said earlier we've looked at this truth that we are spiritual people experiencing a daily spiritual battle now that doesn't mean as we've been saying throughout that you get weird about it that doesn't mean that you start speaking in a strange way and say, oh, I'm in a spiritual battle. It doesn't mean that you look for the devil everywhere. We don't become devil obsessed because we're Jesus obsessed. Amen. And the enemy has been defeated. Jesus has already won the victory. Remember what we said in week one, but we're not striving to win a victory. So many Christians, they're, they're striving. They're trying to win. They're, they're trying to get the victory over the enemy when the Bible tells you that the enemy is already defeated. And the whole point of Ephesians chapter 6 is about teaching us to stand our ground, the ground that Jesus has already won for us. It's about enforcing the victory that he has won for us. So we've been looking at the different aspects and the pieces of the armour that Paul writes about in, uh, in the book of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. Remember what he's doing. Paul's been under house arrest for a couple of years. He's been alongside Roman soldiers a whole lot in that time period. And he's come to know the Roman armor. He's come to know the different pieces of it and what they do and all that kind of stuff. And in the midst of all of this, as he's thinking about the battle that we faced spiritually day after day, the Holy Spirit gave him this great picture, this great analogy of just as Roman soldiers have natural armor to defend themselves in natural battles, so too the Holy Spirit has equipped us. And given us spiritual armour that we're to wear and use and utilise in our everyday life as we face this spiritual battle. So let's read through these verses one more time again today. Ephesians chapter 6, we're beginning at verse 10. Paul has been writing this letter and he wraps it up like this. He says, "A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor, so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of the breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the piece that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. Now, we've already looked, and we're not going to look at this again. As I said, it's all available online. We've talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace. We've talked about the shield of faith. And last week, Taffy did a great job of talking about the helmet of salvation, And remember, as we've been saying, the point of this series is not to have this nice little study where we know a little bit more about the Bible. The point of this series is that we would be living in victory as God has called us to live. The point of this series is that we would be experiencing the truth of Ephesians 6 verse 13. Let's read that again in the Amplified. This has been the, the focus of our entire series. This is the outcome that I believe God wants to see in our lives, that we would be able to successfully resist and stand our ground in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in our place fully prepared immovable and victorious amen that's what I want for every single person in this room that's what I want for my life that I would be fully prepared that I would be immovable and that I would be victorious in this daily battle So let's zoom in for a moment on verses 17 and 18. That's where we're putting our focus this morning. It says, Put on salvation as your helmet. Now Taffy looked at that last week. And then it says this, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Okay, so let's talk this morning for a moment about the sword. And here's the first thing I want you to notice, that when you go through the list, this is the first piece that's actually defined. It tells you what it is. All the other things have really been about its purpose. So we've talked about the shield of faith. It says, hold it up because it will extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. But when it comes to the sword, it it defines what it is. It says, it's the word of God. Pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, when it comes to the Bible... There are two main swords that are spoken about and, and written about throughout the Bible. There's the, there's the big sword that some of you may have in your mind as you're thinking about the, the armour of God. It's this, this big sword that we willed, that this sword that maybe would take two hands to hold. It's the kind of sword that King Arthur would have had in his films. It's the kind of sword that He-Man would have had in the 1980s. How many of you remember He-Man? Now if you're a child of the 80s or you're a parent of the 80s, we've got a picture of He-Man. There he is. Some of you culturally are like, what on earth are you talking about? Age-wise, now I look at some of the junk that Jenna watches. Not rude junk, by the way, but some of just the, the storyline is just not good in terms of the everyday cartoons of now and, and, and the present age in which we live. And I'm like, what are you watching? That does not compare to He-Man. He-Man was legendary. And so He-Man had this sword. And some of you, that's what you're thinking when you think of a sword of the spirit. You're thinking about this huge sword. The reality is that in Scripture, only one holds a sword like that. His name is Jesus. And you read that through Revelation, all that kind of stuff. So the sword that he's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 6 is a little bit more like what you and I refer to as a dagger. It was called a machira. And some of you who are much better at pronouncing that kind of stuff, forgive me for my poor pronunciation of that. But it was called a machira. We've got a picture of that. And so these would be razor sharp on both sides. And so instantly, if you know scripture, your mind goes to Hebrews chapter four, where it talks about the the word of God being sharper than a double-edged sword. This is what it's talking about in this moment. And it would be very sharp on both sides. And as you can see on this final one, very often it would have a tip that would kind of point up. And very often they would actually add stuff to their makara in order that there would be a tip that was strong and a tip that was incredibly sharp. And so what they would do, and some of you, if you're squeamish, you may want to cover your ears for a moment, but they would jab the dagger in. And before pulling it out, they would grab hold of it and twist it in order that, yeah, I, told you, I did give you a warning, in order that when you pulled it out, some of the guts and stuff would actually come out. Now, why am I telling you this? Not so that you're grossed out. I'm not trying to be gross. The reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to understand that what Paul compares the Word of God like is a powerful thing in your hand. It's a powerful weapon that you can use to do damage to the enemy, not to do damage to other people around you because our battle is not with flesh and blood. But with principalities and powers, we have been equipped with something incredibly powerful and effective. And so the soldier would have this makaira, and they would spend a long time learning how to use it. You, you, you don't want to be learning how to use a sword when you're in the middle of a battle. Like, okay, now we're going to do our training, all the enemies coming at us, now we're going to learn how to use it. And so they would have been equipped and learned how to use it beforehand in order that they could use it effectively in the midst of The battle, because in the battle you want to instantly recall, what do I do? You want to do it like it's second nature without actually thinking in that moment how to use the sword. Now here's why I spent time explaining all of that. Not so that we would understand a little bit more of a historical understanding, but because all of that historically and naturally correlates with what we have in our daily spiritual battle. Paul says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, when it comes to, again, the word of God, when we look at the Bible, there's two main words that are used for the word of God. One of those, which many people know, is the word logos. And the logos refers to the the entire revelation of God to his people. It's a written word of God. Okay, your Bible that you may have out on on your lap right now is the Logos Word of God. And it is our handbook for life. It's important that we have it. It it shows to us the the general principles and wills and purposes of God for humanity. Not just by and large, but for us individually as well. Jesus himself was referred to as the Logos Word of God. In John chapter 1, it says that the Word, the Logos, came, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So we have the Logos word of God but then there's another word to describe the word of God which is the word remah or remah. And that's the spoken active live word of God that is relevant to the moment. So it's a specific word for a specific need and moment. And as the Holy Spirit gives you or reminds you of a truth from his word he wants you to use it so that the enemy remains inactive and ineffective in our lives. Now if you were going to use the sword of a spirit, and if we're going to use the word of God effectively, then we've got to be trained. Okay, as I said a moment ago, the Roman soldier would have known how to use it, which side to use, how to respond, when to thrust the sword, and so on, and so on, and so on. So you wouldn't see them like running onto the battlefield just waving this. Come on, let's be out of the new, You know, just waving the sword above their head. They were trained. They were controlled. They knew how to effectively use this sword. Again, how does that apply to us in 2023? You have the Word of God. You have the Logos Word of God from where the rhema, the sword of the Spirit, is there to be used effectively. So here's the first thing we need to do if we're going to use this sword effectively. We need to pick it up. We need to pick up our sword. How dumb would it have been for a Roman soldier to have the sword, to have trained in how to use it, but never actually use it, pick it up or take it out of the belt in that moment of battle. So very simply, if the word of God is going to be effective in our lives, it's not rocket science, we need to read the thing, right? Now sometimes when you speak like this, people say, oh, you're just being so legalistic. I don't have to read the Bible because God still loves me. Yeah, that's not up for debate. That's not what we're talking about in this moment because we're not saved by works and we're not kept by works. The love of God is unconditional. There's nothing you could do that would make God love you more. There is absolutely nothing you could do that could make God love you less. He loves you with an unconditional agape form of love. So that's not what we're talking about today. But when you talk to a Christian, you say reading the Bible is good for you. That's not legalistic. It's just common sense. Right? Imagine going to a Roman soldier and he's in the middle of a, a battle and he's being beaten and, and you're stood there and you're like, pull out the sword, pick up your sword. Imagine if they t- don't you be so legalistic, you're so condemning. in this. You'd be like, stop being an idiot. Because we have to pick up the sword in order to be able to use it. So pick up your Bible, read it. Now I know that we're all in different places with this. Some of you may read chapters a day. Others of you may be read once a year when it comes to Christmas. And that's a, no, but that's a reality of where we may be at in a room this size with that many different people in it. But I want to talk about this. And let me talk to those who today rarely read their Bible. And not from a place of condemnation, but from a place, hopefully, of inspiration and encouragement to you. And let me come at this from a bit of a different angle this morning. Because there's no point me standing here and saying, reading the Bible is good for you. I think you kind of know that. Right? I've never met a Christian who says, oh, I don't like reading the Bible. I don't, I don't think it does me any good. I think it does me more harm than God. I've never met a Christian like that. We all know that reading the word of God is good for us, but many people don't because they're not in the habit of doing so. Now, when I say that word habit, Often we instantly go to negative connotations. Habits are are terrible. Habits are bad. But just as there are bad habits in our lives, so we can build positive, life-giving habits into our life. And reading the Word of God is a positive, life-giving habit that we can build. All of you have positive habits in your life. All of you eat and drink without thinking about it. It's, It's a habit that you've built. How do I know that? Otherwise, you wouldn't be here this morning. Because you don't get to the end of your week and think, oh my goodness, I've forgotten to eat this week. I I completely forgot to drink because your body will tell you that it's craving for food. Your body will tell you that it's craving for drink. It's just a habit that you build without actually thinking about it. It's just ingrained in your life. We need to make reading the Word of God a positive, life-giving, non-legalistic, non-religious habit in our lives. So how do we do that? Let's just look at that for a moment. And experts in habit formation who know a whole lot more than I do about this would say there are a few key things when it comes to building a healthy habit. Let's look at that. that you have to make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. If you want to build a healthy... And this goes across... Your life, But let's look at it in terms of reading the Word of God. If you want to make reading the Word of God a healthy habit, not religiously, but a healthy habit in your life, make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. Let's look at the first one. Make it obvious. Can I encourage you to put your Bible somewhere where you will see it? That will help it become an obvious thing in your life. Now again, I know this is common sense, but how many times do we not walk in common sense? So if your Bible is on a bookshelf somewhere... If your Bible is hidden away, chances are you're not going to read it that much. If your Bible is on your bedside table, if your Bible is on the coffee table, then it becomes a lot easier to make it an obvious thing in your life. I know a lot of people read their Bibles on their phones today. If you read a reading plan or whatever on your phone, can I encourage you? Make the Bible app a standalone app on the front screen of your phone. Make it obvious Again, you say, well, this isn't very spiritual. Well, okay, until we're in a place where we're all reading our Bibles daily, then then we can come back to that. Make it obvious. There's another thing called habit stacking. And so that means that you stack one habit alongside another one that's already uh, established, and it becomes a whole lot easier and a whole lot more obvious for you. Let me tell you that every single day, there's habit stacking going on in your life without you realising it. When you flick on the kettle, you don't stand there going... Oh, I know there's something I'm now going to be doing. You know automatically you reach, you get a mug, you get a tea bag if you're having tea, you get the milk if you have milk with your tea, and then you pour it in. You don't stand there trying to work it out. It's automatic because it's habit stacking in your life. So I want to encourage you. Maybe you want to make it obvious by stacking it with another thing where you say, you know what, every time I eat my breakfast, I'm going to read from the Word of God. And it would just become second nature to you. Every time when I go to bed, the first thing I'm going to do when I get into bed is I'm going to read the Word of God. And you begin to build this obvious habit in your life where it becomes second nature to you. Make it attractive. Now again, I'm not going to be too prescriptive on this because we're all wired differently. But one person may say, you know what, I- I- I'm going to do... A reading plan because when I'm doing a reading plan, I get more out of it. Another person may say, I'm going to get a study guide because when I understand the culture and the context of what I'm reading, it means a whole lot more to me. Other people may do reading plans together with friends and that makes it attractive to them. Somebody else may choose to do a standalone thing but have a WhatsApp group where they share what God is revealing to them through his word. Make it easy. If you're starting a new habit or you're starting a renewed habit of reading the word of God, can I encourage you? But it's far better to do something like read a passage of Scripture every day and build upon that than to try and read the New Testament in seven days. right? Because some of you will go, yeah, I'm going to use a sort of a spirit. You'll you'll read a whole whole book in the first day and then the second day you forget to do it and so on and so on and so on. Make it easy and make it satisfying. Well, listen, when you get into the Word of God, that takes care of itself. Because you will taste and see that the Lord is good. You will see the benefits of being in the Word. It will be life to you in your daily life. Life. So the first key is we need to pick up the sword. We need to read the Bible and use the Bible. Because when you're reading and enjoying God's word on a daily basis, do you know what it does? It gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to bring rhema words to your life. It brings the Holy Spirit an opportunity to take a portion of scripture and you were just reading it at random, but it wasn't at random because the Holy Spirit in that moment brings something that's relevant to your specific need that day. He knows how to take the logos and turn it into rhema the second key is this we have got to learn how to use the sword so this is going one step beyond reading it this is where we begin to study god's word this is where things like scripture memorization come in okay and, and so some of you you think well no, no no that's just for kids church right that's just they, they memorize a scripture and then they get a little certificate and and, and that's just for kids why why is scripture memorization just for kids could it be, and, and let me be, I, I know you've never known me to be facetious, but let me be facetious just for a moment. Could it be that the reason why many Christians are living in defeat is because they know all the lyrics to their favourite song, they can name all the England managers at World Cups, they can, <laughs> Pat's like, no I can't, all, right, all the Scottish people, managers who didn't make it to the World Cup, okay Pat, there you go. <laughs> they, can, they can recite their favorite scene from their favorite movie. Some of you can recite the whole of love actually. I don't know why, but you can. <laughs> and yet they don't know one verse of scripture off by heart. Could it be But actually if we put the same amount of effort into memorizing scripture as we do learning other stuff in our life, that actually it would be useful to us? And could equip us in the daily battle that we face. Again, not from a place of condemnation. But I want to show you that it's there. It's not out of reach. It's it's there for you to have every day of your life. So pick up the sword. Learn how to use the sword. And when the time comes, use the sword. It would be pretty pointless if you had the sword in battle. And you pulled it out of the belt. But then you just stood there holding it. While you are being attacked. Use the sword. The sword. And in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus gives us a great example of how to use the sword of the Spirit. Let's just turn to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, listen, when the enemy comes against you, he'll always come at you and attack you from the place of your identity. As Taffy was speaking about last week. So he says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say. Now here's what I want you to see. He takes the Logos word of God from Deuteronomy. And he makes it rhema in that moment for his specific need in his specific situation. He says, no, the scriptures say man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That was just logos before, but it became rhema because it was his specific response to a specific moment in his life. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, there it is again, attacking his identity, especially his identity linked to God. If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, now isn't this interesting? The devil even knows how to twist scripture. The devil sometimes knows more scripture than we do as believers. The dangerous thing is that he wants to wield it in an ungodly way to break and ruin your life. So he says, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, here he is again, the scriptures also say, here's the Logos that becomes Rhema, you must not test the Lord your God. Next the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will just kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Jesus knew how to use the rhema word of God. How to turn logos into rhema in his specific moment. He knew how to use the sword of the Spirit. The key question is do we? Because here, here's how it, how it works itself practically in our lives on a daily basis. The enemy may come at you with a bucket load of discouragement. Right? Ever been there? Or am I the only one who's ever faced any... Yeah, the enemy will come and he'll try and discourage you in your life. And in that moment, if you just, oh yeah, no, I do feel discouraged. I'm going to talk to my friend who also feels discouraged and we're going to throw a little discouragement party. Or you can take a psalm which previously had just been Logos. And don't get me wrong, Logos will still bless you. Logos will build you up. But in that moment, you take the rhema word of God for your specific situation. And it speaks to you about how God will always be there, how God will never leave you, how God will lift you up, how if God is for you, you go to Romans, if God is for me, then who can be against me? And in that moment, the discouragement is lifted off as we learn to do what David did as he encouraged himself in the Lord. The enemy may come at you with temptation of lust. And in that moment, you need a word from God, maybe 1 Corinthians six eighteen that reminds us to flee, to run from sexual immorality because of what it can produce in our lives. When you're faced with obnoxious people, not that you ever would, but if you ever faced with obnoxious people, do you know what? It's great when you're talking to God about obnoxious people, when he comes with his rhema word and reminds you of how when you were in your foolishness, he still loved you. You're reminded of the words of Jesus that says that actually we're to bless those who curse us. We're to pray for those who persecute us. And it becomes rhema in that situation. When we find our priorities shifting... And we're turning away from God and his word and we're looking at the things of this world and suddenly it's all about this and it's all about that and our our perspective is shifting all of a sudden we're reminded. And as Jesus said, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. That's what comes first and all of a sudden our priorities are shifted once again. If you're a shy person and an opportunity comes to share the gospel message, and you know there's an, it's like an open goal. You can, it's just going to be such an easy victory. But, but you just feel yourself closing up. It feels like the enemy is sewing your mouth shut in that moment. And you just want to speak. But, but everything within you and the enemy's remote. No, no, you're shy. Remember, you don't talk. You don't do any of this kind of stuff. And you're being closed down in that moment. You understand now the rhema the word of God says that God has not given me a spirit of fear. That's not the spirit that belongs to me. He's given me a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. When the enemy tries to steal your peace and you feel like your mind is bombarded, the sword declares and reminds you of Isaiah 26 verse 3. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. When our mind is focused on him, his peace will be our portion. Jesus said he will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's the rhema word of God. You get the idea and in each of these situations, along with a whole load of others it's an opportunity for us to get the spirit the sword of the spirit the word of god for our situation that's how we stand our ground Otherwise it just remains the spiritual concept out there somewhere in Ephesians chapter 6. That's how we take ground. That's how we defend what Jesus has done for us. That's how we demolish strongholds with the rhema word of God. You think, I feel so trapped, I can't change my thinking. No, the Bible says that you have been given a weapon with which you can demolish those strongholds in your life. So we've got to pick up the sword. We've got to know how to use it and then we've got to use it effectively. When the time comes, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then finally, let's wrap up with this. We come to an aspect that's often overlooked. Ephesians 6 verse 18. And sometimes we read about the armor of God and we're just like, we leave this part as though it doesn't matter. No, no, listen to what it says. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Here's what ties it all together. Prayer. Please don't go through this entire series and read about all the different aspects. I'm going to hold up my shield of faith and I'm going to have the sword of the Spirit. But actually list out verse 18 that says that prayer is what ties it all together. Because it's through prayer that the armour of God becomes effective. Otherwise you're a Christian who is blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're a Christian who has all this equipment, all this gear. Right? It's a little bit like you've probably heard before that phrase, maybe you've even said it to somebody. And they've got all the stuff. It's like somebody who's got like brand new football boots, top of range football boots, but they can't get the ball in a straight line. Or somebody who's got all the fishing tackle you could ever want, they've never caught a fish in their life. What would you say? You'd say, you have all the gear, but no idea. Right? Ever heard that phrase before? You have all the gear but no idea. That's how it is for many Christians who don't pray. They've got all the gear. They have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's not up for debate. The word says so. They have the armor of God. It's all there. Every piece of it is there available for them as the armor of God. But they've got no idea because they don't know how to pray or they don't pray. They they choose to rely on their own confidence in themselves rather than in God's ability through them. Paul says a few important things here. Verse 18. He says, pray at all times. Reminds me of what Paul said to the church in Thessalonica. We've got it in 1 Thessalonians 5 where he says, pray continually or pray without ceasing. And we've spoken before that sometimes we think, well, God, how can I do that? I've kind of got a job to go to. I've got, you know, stuff going on in my life. How can I pray continually? And we know, of course, that he wasn't talking about the concept of a format of prayer. He was talking about prayer itself, which in essence is what? Communication with God. He's saying pray continually so we can live each day with an ongoing flowing conversation with God you don't need to wait until you come to church on a Sunday morning to pray I hope you know that but you also don't need to wait until your morning devotions to be able to pray or before you go to sleep before you pray you can pray because it's communication with God God wants you to be able to communicate with Him at any given moment of any given day He also wants to speak to you at any given moment of any given day which is where He will give you the rhema word for your situation Sometimes I feel like God, in my own life, is like, here, take the sword of the Spirit. But because I'm not listening to him in that moment, I feel defeated. If only we would be people who more and more were responding and listening to the voice of God on a daily basis, where again, you don't have to be weird. You can be normal and continually be hearing the voice of God. And he says, here, take the sword of the Spirit. You feel discouraged? Here's my word for you. You feel tempted? Here's my word for you you feel broken here's my word for you pray continually then he echoes this thought again stay alert listen we don't need to be fearful but we do need to be sober-minded as we've said throughout this series that we are living in the knowledge that we are in a spiritual battle Paul continues he says be persistent in your prayer not one off sometimes we pray for something and we say well that's it it hasn't happened yet no be persistent In your prayer. Sometimes we need to, as has been said, push, pray until something happens. Sometimes we need to just keep standing on what God has said and thanking that it will come to pass in our lives. And then it ends by saying this: we need to pray for all believers everywhere. See, when you're in this battle, we're not meant to just fight for ourselves or for our own families, we're meant to fight for the other people alongside us. What does it mean to pray? for all believers everywhere let's bring that into our context a good soldier isn't just concerned for their own safety a good soldier cares for the ones that he's fighting alongside a good soldier on the battlefield won't just be thinking about am I going to make this out alive they're going to be thinking are my troops okay is everyone else around me okay and this is where it comes into the context of church remember what we spoke about with the shield of faith Remember that, that picture we showed where we, we lifted up the shield of faith and there was that protection, that phalanx formation, that, that tortoiseshell protection as we stand alongside one another and we pray for one another. We protect one another in prayer. We bless one another in prayer. We see healing come through in prayer. Do you know one of the, the, the greatest things and, and the greatest joy for me is being part of a connect group is praying for one another. I love Hanging out and having fellowship. I love getting around the Word of God together, but being able to stand and contend—not just when we meet, but when WhatsApp messages are going around and say, "Can you believe for me for this?" And we've stood and we've prayed and we've seen answer after answer after answer. Sometimes we've not understood why things haven't been answered in the way we prayed, but we said, "You know what? We're going to get around you and we're going to pray and we're going to lift you up." And there's that tortoise shell of protection. We pray. Knowing that prayer is what makes us effective in using the armor of God. Don't be a Christian who has all the gear and no idea. Because God has given us what we need. Okay, let's bring this all together. God has given us armor. Spiritual armor that protects us and allows us to stand our ground when the enemy comes at us. And we've been saying there is an enemy. We don't live in fear of him, but we need to be aware of him. He hates you. He will stop at nothing to wreck your life to break apart your marriage to see your finances in a place of destitution he will stop at nothing to disunify the church he will stop at nothing to stop you preaching the gospel he will stop at nothing but we have all we need the question is will we use it let's just stand to our feet and I just want to read this verse over you one more time and then I'm going to pray for you Ephesians 6 verse 13 Father, may this be a reality in our lives that we will be able to successfully resist and stand our ground in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands to still be standing firm in our place, fully prepared, immovable and victorious. Let me just pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word, as we've been saying, is living. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. And Father, we just ask for this word that's come out this morning. Holy Spirit, would you do what I cannot do? I've shared natural words, but Holy Spirit, would you take them and do something in our lives where, where people say, Do you know what, this isn't out of my reach. I can know what it is to lift up the shield of faith. I don't have to be a super Christian in order to use the sword of the Spirit. I I can use the sword of the Spirit in my daily life. And Lord, I thank you that we are victorious. Father, I want to speak over every single person here today who has come into this place feeling defeated, feeling overwhelmed. Father, that is not your portion for them. And that is not the truth of who they are in Christ. Father, I thank you that you would demolish those lies and those strongholds that people have been carrying for years. And Father, for others where it may take a season, it may just be more than a moment. But Father, I thank you that what you've begun through this series, people will take and use and will see it change things in their life Father I thank you that that strongholds will be broken today and in the coming days that will mean that generations to follow will be different Father I I, want to pray for parents right now Father that we would know what it is to lift up our shield of faith over our family and our children Lord I want to speak over marriages I want to speak over single people I want to speak over the youth over kids over kids That every single one of us would know what it is to lift up the shield of faith. Father, when those darts come against us, may we be a church that stand in the place of prayer and say, not on our watch, for each other and for our community. Over Lee Park, we say, not on our watch, because we will stand fully prepared thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have equipped us with everything that we need. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as people open up the Word this week, some maybe they need to dust it off and open it up once again. But Father, you don't look at them with eyes of condemnation. Father, I pray for any single person today who has heard this Word and has felt guilty because of where they're at with the Word of God. Father, I thank you that you lift that guilt, you remove that shame, Father, and they would know that your love is unconditional towards them but Father as they move away from shame which is something that the enemy wants to hold them in that they would with fresh eyes open up your word Father I thank you for all this week Logos is going to become Rhema in our life Father I thank you that it won't just be for us but it will be for other people that we come into contact with as well for your glory we pray so Father I commission every single person to stand in the full armour of God just for a moment just picture yourself with the full armour of God on everything every piece of the armour of God what a difference it makes as we go into the daily battles that we face to know we have that on and I want you tomorrow morning before you step into your day Just to take three seconds. I'm not needing an hour. Just three seconds tomorrow morning. Just to close your eyes and to picture yourself in the armor of God as you step into whatever it is you're doing. And on a Tuesday and on Wednesday and Thursday. And let it just be a thing that you're so aware of that you are wearing the full armor of God. Make sure that you are so that you can stand firm. God, to you be the glory. To you be the glory. And Father, thank you for all that we're going to see Come to pass in the next seven days. Amen and amen. Come on, just give God praise for His word in our life.